Fan Morning Show. Second hour underway here. Uh, very, very happy to welcome in our first guest of the day. And this insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Very pleased to welcome in David Sampson, former president, Miami Marlins, and host of the Nothing Personal podcast. David, thanks so much for jumping on. How are you doing today? I am doing well. Thank you very much. So first question I have for you uh, about the deadline is not actually about the deadline, but it's about uh, the way baseball uh, runs its leagues now. Are we sure the expanded playoffs are a good thing? Now, this is the king of talking out of both sides of my mouth, but we didn't have that many defined sellers. I wanted some bigger, sexier trades. I wanted a lot more options for bats on the table. Is this just a natural kind of consequence, I guess, of, of the expanded postseason and so many teams feeling like they have a chance? Yeah, I think that no situation is perfect when you're putting together a playoff tournament and figuring out how many teams should be eligible. And when we talked about expanded playoffs within Major League Baseball, really what we wanted more than an exciting trade deadline, which is always fun, but that's a day or a week leading up to it. But if you've got 18 or 20 teams who are able to send out playoff invoices because they're five games away from a playoff spot, which means you've got a competitive September, which means that you're drawing crowds, which means that you're increasing your gate revenue, which means you're increasing your industry revenue. So while I agree, it makes the deadline more difficult because there's so many more buyers than sellers. The real impact of the expanded playoffs is the fact that you have a more exciting September. So uh, here locally, the Jays and the, the St. Louis Cardinals decided to merge, David, and they just took all the they just took three guys from the from from the Cardinals. They're now just the red and blue birds. I'm not sure. I've never seen anything like that at the deadline where they just go back to the same team three separate times. But I'll just get your thoughts on the Jays deadline. Were you okay with it? Incomplete? Okay? Like what what, what was your thoughts on the Jays deadline? I guess I really had two thoughts. To me, the Jays, who I actually picked preseason to win the AL East, and I thought they were the best team, and I just have not been pleased with their consistency this season. I did not believe that the club did enough, and I mean the club, meaning the clubhouse, the players, did enough to warrant the front office making a huge investment at the deadline. Mm. But on the other hand, I look at what Rodgers did, and I look at how they stepped up recognizing that this is a window that they have and they don't want to squander it. And with expanded playoffs, there's an opportunity for them to get into October and then see what happens. And bolstering your bullpen at the deadline to me is far more important than getting a right-handed bat or, or a, a bat off the bench. I think the Jordan Hicks deal is huge for Toronto and especially with Romano hurt, but forgetting that you just want an opportunity to have as much depth as you can in your bullpen because Later on in the season, starters get more and more tired. You know what happens with injuries. They happen every day. And so you're going to need as many arms as possible. And Hicks is a well above average arm. Yeah, we spent the first, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 minutes of the show today just talking about how electric it was. And, you know, quite honestly, like we've seen Hicks, we've watched baseball before, but anyone who watches the Blue Jays has quite literally never seen an arm like that. He threw the fastest pitch in team history in his first appearance with the team. It is just uh, electric, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but uh, for a fan base that's been clamoring for it for quite a while, it's uh, it's been very, very Bit of welcome. a difference from him and yeah. Adam Simber in yeah. the bullpen. Just a little, just a little different yeah. from the funky hopping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, d- delivery there. You know, one other thing with the the Jays have really struggled with this year is play within the division. You know, this is much more of a kind of football 
uh, school of thought the way I'm going to ask the question, but do they need to kind of look at their roster construction? Obviously the deadline's done. That's, that's kaput for this year, but do something different to compete within the division. I mean, they have been abysmal, just seven wins or eight after last night in the division this year. Should a team try to switch its personnel around or maybe try things a little more geared specifically in the division? Or do you think that you just have to try to build the best team you can build and the rest will take care of itself? So don't forget, this is the first year of the balanced schedule, which means that you're only playing teams in your division 13 times instead of what used to be 18 or 19. So there's way fewer division games. And when, so that's to the benefit of the Blue Jays. And when you look at your record against your division in previous years, it meant a lot more than it does this year. The downside of the balanced schedule is that you don't get to play teams in your division as much in September when you can try to leapfrog when you're chasing. So the balanced schedule makes chasing harder and it makes keeping your lead easier. In terms of building your team, with the NL East, when I was, I was in the NL East for 18 years, and we would once in a while want lefties in the bullpen because there were a lot of strong lefty bats in our division, and we would keep an eye on that. But there was a year that we actually had no lefties in the bullpen, which was strange at the time, but we just thought our righties could get lefties out which is all to say that you don't want to build a team specifically to compete against another specific team. You want to put the best team you can on the field because wins against your division matter, but guess what? So do wins against teams not in your division. So you really want to construct your roster the best you can. And around the margins, you can look at what's going on in your division, but certainly not as a main factor. Yeah, it's, that's that's well said. And the Jays are currently battling within the division with the Baltimore Orioles. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on your like on that team and just their come up. They've obviously been down and sort of in the depths of it for the last few years, but they're really coming out of it now. Best uh, farm system in the league. What they did at the deadline, getting Jack Flaherty. What are your thoughts on the Orioles? And do you think this is a true World Series contender right now? So when you rebuild, it doesn't always work. The Cubs did a big rebuild. They did win a World Series in 16, but it certainly did not become a dynasty. Mm. And the Astros lost 100 games, you know, three years in a row maybe, and they did become a dynasty, and they're still in the middle of the dynasty. Some rebuilds work, some don't. And what you have to focus on when you're looking at what, how you're constructing your team is what your, where your players are. And, and I want to just explain this if you have a minute. You're always looking at where they are in terms of free agency and what's happening with your payroll, what the natural raises are for players. And one thing that you have to keep in mind with Toronto and that I, I think it is so important is their ability to sign free agents and then look at what the Orioles have done. The Orioles went very young. They had very low payrolls. And they really haven't yet sprinkled it with free agents. Is it because their ownership is in such disarray and the brothers are fighting with the mother and who knows what's happening with whether the team is going to be sold? But if you look at what the Orioles did at the deadline, bringing in Flaherty, which is a nice middle to bottom of the rotation piece, it's not the type of signing that would indicate that it's time for them to win now. And I disagree with that philosophy because while you plan for when your window is, You've got to be able to understand when you're wrong and recognize that your window could be right now. And the Orioles are a really good team, but they really could use a front-line starter, and they just did not do that at the deadline. 
but they're a team with great young players, great farm system, great discipline, but I just don't think they have enough to get out of the American League. Yeah, and I mean, again, you you look at the way they've chosen to build things, and I was even looking back to some of their payroll numbers, you know, the last time the O's were kind of in a competitive cycle, 16, 17, and they spent some money. They were kind of 10th to 14th in payroll. But, you know, I look at this team, and again, I bring it back to a football analogy, the idea of it's almost like having a quarterback on a rookie contract. It's like if that guy is ready to win, you got to surround him with pieces, and you're kind of seeing that with all these young O's bats now. Of It doesn't mean they have had to do it this year but I think if they don't make a splash for notable starting pitching this offseason it is going to be a missed opportunity because you know much to what you're kind of hinting at I think here with the Blue Jays is that they have gone out and they've spent money on Gosman and they spent money on Springer and you know we'll talk about how much that's working out for them now but they're able to do that because of where Bo and Vladdy were and their their cycles of getting paid and it just seems like the O's are kind of uh kind of I won't say wasting a year because it's very possible they make some noise but it does feel like it's a bit of a wasted year in in it when you look at it that way well, I'll push back a little bit and say yeah, not a wasted do. year because they're leading the American League East right now, and that's a pretty big surprise. They may have the best record in the American League, as a matter of fact, at the moment, or maybe the Astros do. But at the end of the day, uh, they are they have put together a team with discipline, but this is when you have to, when you want as many players as possible outperforming their contracts. And when you sign a big free agent and you're paying them 30 to $35 million a year, and we can talk about Springer even at $24 million a year. It's hard to outperform that contract. But when you've got young players who are making the minimum or in their first year of arbitration and they're superstars, they are outperforming their contract. And that's a really good window to win for 23 of the 30 teams or even 25 of the 30 teams who don't have 200 to $300 million payrolls. So I think this offseason is going to be very important for the Orioles. It's not a great uh, a free agent year, but there's always trades available. And the reason to have a great farm system is to make trades and to get pieces because my view always was who cares about winning at the minor league level? Who cares about the minor league um, rankings? Oh, we have the best farm system. I never held a party in our front office when we had a top <laughs> farm system. And I never fired anybody when we had the worst farm system. Because when you have the worst farm system, it means your young guys are playing for you. I could get the best farm system ever. Keep Miguel Cabrera down in the minor leagues. Keep Dontrell Willis <laughs> in the minor leagues. And great. But for me, that's, that's ridiculous. I want to win at the big league level. And the Orioles are doing that right now. And having the best farm system while you've got young performing players at the big league level, that is an enviable position. Absolutely. So you mentioned Houston, who... Uh, they're getting they're getting hot here now. They're only half a game back at the Texas Rangers, and that to me is a fascinating division battle. And it's fascinating to see how good that the Texas Rangers have been. They were aggressive at the deadline. Do you think that they're being a little bit underrated in the American League conversation? Like you look at what they did at the deadline. They have a plus 157 run differential, which is a stat that I always love when it's high. I feel like they've been a little bit not disrespected, but not talked about as much as a true contender from the AL. Well, man, they can rake. So their their lineup is really quite something, and they started this process. They were supposed to open their new building in 2020, and so they were never able to truly do it, though they hosted the that COVID World Series with the Dodgers. And so everything was sort of a year delayed, and then they signed Seager and Simeon. They've certainly spent money. They signed DeGrom to that ill-fated, ridiculous contract, but A for effort. Trading for Scherzer is 
fine, but he's not who he was, but he certainly is a top-of-the-rotation guy, not an ace anymore. And so they're a team that is uh, built very well. However, the way it works in all sports, when you're trying to catch the champion, you got to prove you can beat the champion. Mm-hmm. And the champion is Houston, both literally and figuratively. They are a dynasty. They've been the best team in baseball for five or six years right now. So Texas will get its due, but they've got to get past Houston first. Just uh, talking about Springer, uh, going back to the Jays for a second there, uh, you know, he is, after this year, he's going to have three more years left on his deal. It's $24 million in salary, just a touch less than that with cash. They did pay a bit of it up front. Uh, You know, I'm not sure how much experience you had dealing with this, but what's it like when you bring in a player to be a marquee guy? And, you know, I'm not quite ready to pour dirt on him yet, but the way he's looking right now, it's very possible at least the last couple years of that deal are, uh, are onerous on the team. What is it like when you bring a guy in to be a leader and I'm not going to say he was meant to be the face of the franchise that was always supposed to be Bo and Vladdy but he was meant to be the grown-up the adult in the room and if he is going to be a guy who's not able to forget live up to his contract just live up to some semblance of it what does that do to the clubhouse forget about the team's finances obviously it gums that up but what does it do to the kind of dynamics in within a team it makes you feel despondent And I have had that feeling over my career many, many times where you sign players and it doesn't work out and you have to release them or trade them. I mean, you're talking right now this morning to a guy who signed Wei-Yin Chen, you know, maybe the worst contract ever. So it's it's something that the front office thinks about. and, And here's what they're thinking. At what point do we go to the owner and say, I've got a long term deal for myself as GM. I'm going to be honest with you right now we got to get rid of this guy and we have to admit the mistake that I made and I apologize, but he's not making our team better and he's taking up a spot. And that's when a veteran gets designated for assignment and the team has to eat the money. And that's a tough day. And the blue Jays are nowhere near that day with George Springer. All of that said, when you sign players to long-term deals, you are expecting in the latter part of those deals that there's, there'll be a Pujol situation or a Cabrera situation where the player just is not worth the money they're being paid, but you have to make hay in the early part of the deal. And we're getting toward the end of the early part of the deal for Springer, and the Blue Jays need to make hay with him. But um, then let me go a step further. Mm-hmm. $24 million, it's not $40 million, It's not $50 million. Their payroll is not $100 million, so it's not representing 25% of their payroll to a player who's not performing. The Blue Jays can withstand mediocrity from Springer and still win. He is a great piece on a great team. Is he the centerpiece of a championship team? No. But when he signed, I don't think anyone in baseball thought that, that he was going to be the person who will be the difference maker to win a World Series but he's certainly a good member of a team to have. So I wouldn't write him off right now. Yeah, that's uh, that's really good insight. I really appreciate it. Uh, David, thanks so much for the time. Uh, Enjoyed the chat. Hey, my pleasure. Have a great day. There he goes, uh, David Sampson. I love that chat with him. That insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Uh, so what I got out of that, him comparing the situation Wait, to Pujols, obviously not God, yet. They just got to start. They just got to start grooving Springer fastballs at the tail end of the season. Make him feel good about himself, just like they did with Pujols, and all be okay. Looking at Springer's MLB.com page. Seeing the OPS below 700 is horrifying. Yikes. <laughs> like, you know, I, I pulled up his, uh, the sport track 
So his contract. I, I have that in front of me. I'm switching over to baseball savant right now. Three more seasons yeah. at twenty two point five million. There's no salary cap in baseball, yeah. so it's not like it's that's. David's right about the contributing fat. He's still. Yeah, it's totally. not. It's not like Bryce Harper money that he's making. It's not one of those super mega deals he's making. But yeah, like you'd like him to be. Could I get a seven eighty OPS? Yep. Like is that you know the, that's more of what you think you'd hope at this point in the contract you're getting. Like you're looking for a nine hundred OPS guy for the first couple of years and then go downhill. Like the fact that he's under seven. Like what's Varsho's OPS? Like he's in yeah. the he's in Varsho territory <laughs> with his OPS at the moment. Yeah, I'm just looking. So I pulled up the Baseball Savant page, just kind of getting a little deeper on the numbers there, and it's funny. So he is, you know, he's showing some areas where you're okay with it. Like he's not striking out a ton and this is over the course of the season. This is not, this is not recently. He's a average outfielder, slightly above average arm. The crazy he's thing, a good defender. the crazy thing about it is that he has, in terms of max exit velocity, he is in the 97th percentile in the league. So yeah. when he really barrels one up, oh, he hits it hard he's as, crushing he it. He hits it as hard as anyone. Uh, his average exit velocity, 29th percentile yeah. in the league. So yeah, that's the thing is like just the lack of consistency, 50% barrel rate, just not enough for for a guy like him so yeah you see it there and again the age is super concerning and I think this was always expected in you know the second to last year the last year but we're in the third year right yeah. now so yeah so uh, scary Bar- shows OPS is 628 so he's not quite in Varsho territory but they both start with the six <laughs> not good not good not what you want uh there all right uh yeah, anything show hasn't hit a home run in so long it's been a long time it's been a long was, time, been a long I was, time. I was actually going to go uh, go stained. It's been a while. Oh, yeah. That's my go-to for, uh, for uh, that. That's a great one. I'm looking to see when the last time he hit a home run, Dalton Varsho. Not to pick on Dalton Varsho here, but. Oh, to be so out of character for you. Buddy, how many times have <laughs> you come on show? No. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. You go, I want to like the I guy. I do. Here's all. Let me just take a side swipe rightfully deserved at him. That is by, that is, you can't say, just because you say I want to like the guy and then murder him when, in cold blood. When do you think the last time Dalton Varsho hit a home run was? Uh, a month ago. Uh, no. No? It was June 18th. Yikes. Against the Texas Rangers. So more than a month ago. That is No, not, I lied. Oh. I lied. Did he have one before that? Or more recently, I should say? Uh, oh, no, no, I didn't lie. That was correct. June 17th. Okay. It is now uh, August the 3rd of 2023. It's been a while. It really has. Uh, You need more from him. Uh, Anything else on the Jays or you want to? I have no more on the Jays for now. For now. We'll get into it with Shida Vidi at 830. Mm -hmm. But now it is time for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Where do you want to go? Uh, well, we have a golf story teed up. Of, let's be honest, we can do that any day. Yes. Here, uh, here's the very quick Coles Notes version of that. Canadian golf in an awesome Very spot. good. Brooke Henderson, T2, or not even T2, solo two yeah. with the major last week. Yeah, uh, French, be... French girl ran away with it in France. Good, good for her. Yeah. Honestly, we just we just had Nick Taylor do yeah. the thing, and it's our major, but it's not a major, so I cannot uh, begrudge her. And again, Brooke, good on you. A lot of Canadians doing well in golf. But the real story we want. Radko Gudis. Making some waves, talking about how the Leafs had some interest in him. This is the second day in a row and we've heard this second, from a player. And second general manager yeah. in a row that have had that's had interest in Radko Gudis. Because Dubas Ra- always, always kind of coveted him as well, yep. if I'm not mistaken. 
uh, said he didn't want to play in Canada, especially mm. Toronto. Mm. Said the media pressure in the playoffs was crazy. He felt it even though he played for Florida and not Toronto. Okay. I uh, don't mind this from him. I, you know, if that's it's your choice. But I don't, I don't think it's because... I, here's what I think it's because. Oh, okay. I don't think he's very good. Mm. And, like, he knows that. Mm-hmm. So he knows that as soon as he has bad stretches... The fans who care will begin to get on him. Yeah, there's and definitely he, something to that. He signed, he signed with the Ducks. Yeah. So he signed as far away from Toronto as possible. He wants <laughs> like, he, is there he a wants further nobody... trip in, in the league than Toronto to Anaheim? I guess Montreal, right? Yeah. Like just a touch more <laughs> east. That's it. So I think, I don't think it's because of the press. I, I just think he kind of. This is not very good, and yep. he doesn't, and he knows what the pressure's like here. Would and, have ended up being Morgan Riley's partner almost assuredly. And he's like, I will just go be rich where no one cares. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. Yeah, I, I am with you on the fact that, like, look, these guys are adults. They can make whatever decision they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, look I at- have much less respect for this than I did for. Milan Lucic saying, yes. I hate the Leafs. I will not sign with the yeah, Leafs because I hate the Leafs. Guess, guess who's not afraid of the smoke? The guy who played Lucic. in Boston yeah, and then yeah. Calgary yeah, yeah, yeah. and Edmonton and, it, was yeah. like, and was fighting his he hometown of Vancouver. He gets it. Yeah. Gudis, I think there's definitely something to that. I think probably. Gudis started in Philly, right? He, uh, that's where I have my first memory of him. Uh, so he's, he's played in a ravenous market. Yeah, they he care has. there. He has, but I also... Wait, well, started in Tampa. Yeah, I forgot about that. But I also think Ooh, that... Pacduco. Okay, good for you. You'll file that one away for later. Pacduco. But I think the thing with Philly is that it's a aggressive market, a hard market, but it's different I mean, they from... fold the Flyers for, for a... Uh... Eagles Super Bowl. Well, exactly. It's always going to be second fiddle yeah. in that regard. And the other uh, part of it... Third fiddle? Yeah. Definitely. Fourth fiddle? Phillies, for sure. 76ers? Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, they're fourth by fiddle. far the fourth. But it's like, it's a respected fourth. Yes, correct. It's not, you know, I yeah. won't throw shade at anybody. Maybe a hat of a team you're wearing. It's a respected fourth. Hey. Okay. <laughs> uh, We're hot, baby. I know. Hey, good on them. Pinball came on. I told him he's going to go sip champagne with Mercury Morris when they both have undefeated <laughs> seasons. Uh, but with Phil, what I'm trying to make the point about Philly is that that is not the guy, and feel free to correct me, somebody from Philly, that's not the guy who's going to wear it in Philly. The defenseman who's paid a little bit too much, who runs into guys and fights people. Well, not fight. He actually doesn't He's, like to fight. He literally, literally turtled. Does. He yeah. turtled in Zach Aston Reese tried to fight. So, yeah, maybe not. But the idea, the idea of that guy being the one to wear it, it's always going to be somebody like, you know, Morgan Frost or like a more skill type player yeah. that it's like, why aren't you doing this? So he's maybe wasn't going to be the one to eat it in Philly. I always. I do judge guys a little bit of this. Mm. I think there's something to being an athlete of playing in a place that matters. It's their life. They could do whatever they want. And, you know, the, there have been teams that have gotten trouble with this before. Like for a while, the Red Sox were just forcing guys to come to Boston with more money than they ever wanted. And they hated it there and it never worked. So if you don't want to be there, don't be there. Mm. But it does make me think less of an athlete when they're like, oh, no, I want to go play somewhere where what? It doesn't matter. Yeah, guess what? Winning everywhere is sick. And you're going to feel like a cup champion wherever you are yeah. or whatever. Yeah, of course. But nothing will ever matter more than yes. Leafs Cup or any, you know, we, we've done the thing. And it's just, I do, I begrudge it, I guess, is where I look at your, it's your life. Do what you want with it. He doesn't care what I think. And guess what? I do care what he thinks. I begrudge him uh, for it. I do. Our Tiff has our girl. weighed in. And I can't read it on air, but <laughs> I really love it. He's definitely no honk is part of it. Yeah. So thank you, Tiff. Love that. Love uh, that. I will say that. Closing the borders to him in the test uh, as well. <laughs> that Radko Gudis 
went in 08, 09, played for Cladno, and then went uh, to Everett to play with the Silver Tips. I bet you he committed some crimes in that league. That is playing a... in 09 to 10 in the WHL. Keep your head up with Radko Gudis coming over from the from Czechia trying to make a name for himself. Keep your head up, young man. And I could be wrong. I'm just pulling it up now. I believe Clando is the team that Yogs. Yeah, they basically have like changed the logo to a uh, Viking, a Viking that like kind of looks like Yarmir Yager, <laughs> and it was like the team he plays for yeah, now. Yeah, he was like scoring. Yeah. Does he still play? I think he's. No. I, I, I'm pretty sure he is still an active hockey player over right, in Czechia. Well, okay, we'll look up his hockey DB before we... Uh, he played quit. last season. Danielle is on it. You don't even need to do I'm it. I'm doing it right now. Blah, blah, blah. Too bad. <laughs> but fast. I just told you he did it. Yeah, he's played in, he played in 2023. <laughs> I, I know. I just told you he did. Are you 20, gonna, in 20, how many ga- points do you think he had in 26 games? I think he had 18. 14. Okay. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go point per game for a fifty-two year old. Pretty good for an eighty-year-old. All right, uh, we should stop talking about Yarmir Yager so we can talk to Herm Edwards. Does that work for you? Yes, let's yes. do it. Uh, text on the text line in honor of Herm Edwards. Put your name on it. Sign your text. Uh, we want winners. All I'd, of it. I'd rather jump into barbed wire than have that dumb dumb on the Leafs from Adam and Guelph. Right, Kogutis. Yes. Okay. Uh, very similar tenor to Tiff's yes, text, let's agree. just say. All right. Uh, keep them coming. 590, 590. Please include your name and location. Herm Edwards coming up next. Fan Morning Show on Sportsnet. 590 The Fan. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan morning show. Brent Gunning, Sam McKee here with you halfway through the program today. Our long wait is over. NFL football returning tonight. Who better to talk about it than Herm Edwards joining us now. Always happy to uh, get on somebody like you. Uh, Herm, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you doing today? Oh, my pleasure. And I think you, you just said it right. Um, football's about to start. <laughs> it's amazing how people perk up. Uh, even even though it's a Hall of Fame game, it's a preseason game, it's it's about to start now. All, all the pools, all those people that want to bet and fantasy football, <laughs> it all starts now. Yeah, Herm, <laughs> tonight is the ultimate scenario where I'm like, oh, my God, yes, it's football. And then I sit down, I'm like, who are these guys? Why am I watching this? <laughs> like, this is not yeah. the best football game I've ever watched here. That's never really great, the Hall of Fame game. Well, it's amazing, too, because, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in that league, and I can remember um, back in the era that I played, you actually played, um, you know, six preseason games. And my first game as an NFL player was a, was in the Hall of Fame game against the Miami Dolphins. Greasy, Nat Moore, and those guys. I, I, I was at the Hall of Fame playing in my first football game. And I'm going, I'm trying to cover Nat Moore out here. So that's interesting. There you go. That's, uh, that's amazing. Yeah, pretty good, uh, pretty, pretty good omen for the start of your career. I'm sure many guys would say, uh, it didn't work out so well for me. But yeah, your first game being yeah. in the, the Hall of Fame game uh, definitely did work, work out for you. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, so many different kind of storylines heading into the start of the season. Uh, the one that's kind of most intriguing to me is the, the Buffalo Bills. You know, it's, it's really hard to go from a mediocre team to a great one, but I would argue it's maybe just as hard to stay great, if not harder. That's what the Bills are trying to do. They've been an upper echelon team, but haven't been really able to, to kind of break through. What's your read on them heading into the season? Yeah, it, it's it's for some reason when they get into the playoffs, um, there's always, you know, you would have never thought last year that obviously they get into the playoffs and the quarterback, Josh Allen, doesn't throw a touchdown pass. That's the first. And you think about what they went through last year as an organization, all the all the drama they had to go through, and 
And they were basically, whether you're a Buffalo Bill fan or not, people were pulling for the Buffalo Bills last year because of all the, the, tra- the trauma they dealt with. And so this year, I think they come to camp as one of those teams that's the favorite, uh, along with now all of a sudden uh, the New York Jets to, to maybe uh, to win this division, right? And, and don't forget about uh, uh, those Miami Dolphins. Uh, they're they're kind of sitting there. And the next one I'm going to say in that division is don't count out Bill Belichick, right? Just be careful. I mean, everybody's kind of saying, well, the Patriots aren't very okay. It's Bill Belichick. Um, in 23 years, he's never missed the playoffs twice. So, interesting division. But I, I think, obviously, the Bills are are the favorite. I mean, a lot of people say the Jets are. But until they do it, the Bills are the favorite in that division. Uh, they've seen the whole net division as of late. Uh, the Jets are a team that's building. Um, they've got a lot of talent. They've got the quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. They're, you know, they are galvanized. They're, they're a team that's has a lot of talent, but they still got to win games. You still got to go do it. And Buffalo Bills have shown you they can win games. Now it's a matter of can you get to the game, that big game, right? Can you get you're knocking on the door, but can you get there? So, uh, I don't know. Have you done hard knocks before, Herm? Yeah, yes. Oh, you have? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. so what, you know, this is a brand new system for Aaron Rodgers, a very different environment than the one he's been used to in Green Bay, right, with the media and being in New York, just being in the Big Apple. It's, it's a much different kettle of fish. But what does the hard knocks aspect bring to that? Like, how hard, how intrusive is that? It's not as bad as you think. The head coach, uh, no. I mean, you know, there's a lot, there's cameras there every day. The hardest thing you got is this be quite honest, as being a head coach. You know, you've coached your team, and you know you know who the players are for the most part, the veteran guys, right? And all of a sudden, the first speech you have to give these guys, some of these guys, all of a sudden, don't try to be a movie star. I mean, you get guys <laughs> But when Hard Knocks comes there, they're comedians. Oh. They all think they're going to be on television. So they run all these out. They're taping everything you can do, right? And then at night, the players run after the meetings to go watch it. So you got to let the players out early because they want to go watch Hard Knocks. And then all of a sudden, they come to you the next day when you're warming up. And the warm-ups, they say, Coach, I did all that stuff. They don't even have me on there. I said, no, they edit the tape. Guys. They don't need all the tape. It's amazing. That's hilarious. I am, I am just uh. really trying to picture hardened leader of men, football guy through and through Herm yeah. Edwards, Basically playing like a casting agent here. It's like, sorry, maybe next week you can get on. Keep trying harder. You know what's a good way to get on the show is to get on the field. Let's go work on football, guys. I can only imagine what's going through your head uh, having those conversations, sir. Oh, that's funny. Make, make some plays on the field. That, that, would, that would really be good. Be a football player. So, I mean, there's obviously been a ton of the spotlight has been on the Jets and it would usually be on them to, to begin with because they're one of the most popular teams in the league. But, I mean, with the Nathaniel Hackett stuff with Rodgers, you're the perfect guy to ask about this. What do you make of that, you know, the Peyton stuff with Hackett and everybody defending each other and them having to, you know, defend one another and all? It just seems like such a mess. What was your take on that situation, Herm? Well, it was, it was unfortunate for, for both parties. Uh, uh for Sean to, to, to go down that road, that's a road you don't travel. Um, there's a little bit of a professional courtesy uh, that you deal with. And there's, there's a, there, there, I don't want to call it a code, but it's just there's a professionalism in pro football, uh, whether you be a player or a coach. You know, the thing about that league 
is that you inherit somebody's job eventually, whether you're a coach or a player. And when that takes place, it's never about you talking about the person you replaced. It's about what you're going to do. And that's it. And some people say, well, he was, you know, talking to his team. That's fine. But you talk to your team behind closed doors. I mean, you would never call a player out like that. If you did, you'd lose your team. Yeah. You wouldn't do that. You'd lose, you'd lose your team as a head coach. If you called a player out like that in public, you wouldn't do that. So I get all that. Um, Nathaniel, uh, I'll say this, Paul Hackett, his father, uh, I go way back now, he was a GA at Cal when I was a freshman. Hmm. His dad. And his dad was my offensive coordinator <laughs> when I was with the New York Jets when we won the division. He was the offensive coordinator. And Nathaniel, along with my son, were the ball boys. So that's wow. how far I go back to the Hackett family. <laughs> wow. So it's so funny because you always talk about, like, hockey up here. It's like it's such a small world when it comes to hockey. And Same it's just thing. like hearing that, it's just, that's crazy. But I, I, I think that's something that can be – you know, galvanizing for the Jets and something that they're defending him and like Rodgers and him obviously have the close relationship too. So I think it can work both ways. It's clearly not good to do that in the media, but I think that can kind of help them get behind Hackett, get behind Rodgers and have a good year and kind of spurn them on. Well, that's just another, another thing they're going to try to use, you know, yeah. right? It's just everybody's picking on us now. Um, some people are saying we're going to go to the Super Bowl. Some people are saying we're going to win the division. I mean, all these things. And so this team, is, and then they're on hard knocks. So all eyes are on the Jets. And that's great. But I do know this. If you look at their schedule early, they got a daunting schedule now, guys. I mean, they're playing you know, four playoff teams right out the gate out of the first five or six games. And so, you know, it's going to not be an easy walk for these guys. But they're talented now on both sides of the football, and they have Aaron Rodgers, and that's the key. You know, you're talking about an offense that couldn't score points. Just do the math with Aaron Rodgers, like with the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen. They're going to throw 30-plus touchdown passes. So you figure walking into the game, I've got 14 points. And if i got a kicker that can kick two field goals, i got 20 points. <laughs> the defense they had only scored 18, allowed 18 points a game. So you're already in the mix. So, you know, so if you just do the math that way, you feel like, ah, we can win some more games. Yeah, man, I'm just, I just pulled up that jet schedule as you mentioned it here. Uh, I don't like, they're really the Patriots, I guess some people look at that as an easy one, but they got bills, Cowboys, Pats, chiefs, Broncos, Eagles, giants, chargers, uh, Raiders. Like it, there's just no let up early on in the season. And we know how the NFL is, you know, some of those teams will surprise one way or, or another. Uh, but yeah, it is a, uh, it's a gauntlet. They got to run early, early on in the season. Uh, the, uh, the team, I uh, know near and dear to your heart uh, came up short in the Super Bowl last year always an interesting I won't say crossroads for an organization but you know it's it's always uh, interesting to see how some team bounces back uh, from coming so close and having to climb the mountain again uh, Jalen Hurts is paid I uh, everything we know about Jalen Hurts uh, tells us that that won't affect him at all uh, in terms of uh, you know the wrong way in, in that it'll, it'll affect his bank account in the right way uh, what's your read on the Eagles heading into the year do you think they can uh, they can make another run well I think they're, they're poised to make another run I, I think they will you know, it's a very be a very competitive division. You, you, the Cowboys are going to be right there uh, with them. I think the Giants will be much improved as well. But the Eagles, probably in the NFC, along with the 49ers, are probably the favorite right now when you look at the NFC teams to, to try to get back to the Super Bowl now. You know, they, they lost some players, but they, they gained some players too through the draft. Uh, they drafted Carter and Smith, the, the edge rusher as well. Um, so, you know, they kind of, 
They lost a couple guys, but they added some guys. It'll be interesting to see now. They have two new coordinators, um, which which will be interesting to watch how that develops. Um, but the quarterback is the key, and you can't get a better leader than Jalen Hurts. I mean, you just can't. I mean, he's, he's unbelievable. Everything you hear about him, you watch him, how he goes about doing his business, has humility. It's always always about the team. My concern is this: you got to keep him healthy. You can't run him 165 times. He ran 165 times as a quarterback, kind of like Josh Allen now. You know, those guys make a lot of plays with their legs. you got to slow him down some. This is why the running game has to be a little bit more effective with the runners and him throwing to the backs more, I think, will will get him out of running the ball all the time. So this team is is, is ready to go. I mean, they they plug and play. They lost some players. They brought in some players. So I think – you know, the thing they got to deal with now, we dealt with it when we went to the Super Bowl, our Eagle team, is that everybody's excited about playing because you're a former, you know, you're in the mix of going to a Super Bowl, right? And um, whether you win or lose, that's what people say. They say, man, these guys won the Super Bowl last year. They're a good football team. People are going to play their best game against you. you got to realize that. So, Herm, I, you know, I don't get a chance to talk to Herm Edwards very often, and I just have to, I mean, not ask maybe, but just your play to win the game quote is yeah. one that has been said in my friend group <laughs> and with my hockey team. Or with How yeah. does it feel to have one of the all-time great sound bites? Because truly, whenever there's a top 10 of sound bites or ever, you <laughs> always see your face up there, and it's one of the great all-time quotes. I just... I don't know if you even have a question, but I love it so much and watch it every and, time. And before you answer that, I have to say, we mm. ask people to text into the show, and I yell the Herm Edwards, put your name on it when they don't. So two of the greatest <laughs> yeah. sound bites. So I had to ask. Well, in New York, you get some sound bites, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I tell people all the time, you know, I, I said it one time. Yeah. And I said it in, in the sense that it was on a Tuesday and the players weren't in. And we were a two-and-five football team. And basically the question was posed, Are you play, are the, is your team going to quit? And that's when I said what I said. And mm. you could imagine the next day the players come in and I'm ready, ready to address the team if I'm getting ready to go to practice. Yeah. And uh, one of the players stand up, Chad Pinkton, the quarterback, and he says, Coach, we heard what you said. And I looked at him, and I go, okay, end of the meeting. We won a division. Love it. It worked. How about that? It worked. You know, it was just one of those deals where, and I just truly believe this, in any sport and in life, it's about winning that day. And it doesn't matter what's happened the previous day or the previous season or, or the games that you play. It's, it's about preparing to win that game and to, 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 to win that day, that game. That's what life's about. Mm. It's about competing every day. And you can't quit. You don't get to tap out. That's not part of the deal. And that's all I was stressing. It was it wasn't to, to make headlines. It was one of those deals. I said it, you know, and, and I didn't even know what was going on. I mean, I, it was on a Tuesday, and it hits all over the country. And I come home that night about one o'clock. My wife turns the light on in the front door. She says, "What did you do?" <laughs> and I, I look at her. I said, "What are you talking about? This all over the place." And I look at her in a moment when she was screaming at me. I said, "Honey, I'll ask you one question." She said, "What?" She said, "What?" And I said. Was it good? She said, oh, it was really good. <laughs> ah, yes. It was great, man. It was great. Thanks. And it worked. Thank uh, that's, you. That's all we needed to know. Herm loved this chat. Thanks, uh, enjoy man. the football season. I, I know you will. Thanks so much.
Appreciate you guys for having me on. Thank you. There he goes. Much like our chat with pinball, that that <sighs> advice applicable to life. When I, well, when I said it to the beer league team on Tuesday, we lost six one. What the hell? Well, that's you're not. You're, <sighs> okay, so there's. Two if th- I had Herm Edwards as a coach, we would, would go undefeated. Well, that's what I was going to say. You are, I think, one of. <laughs> I will. I'm not going to say who's who. Mm. I just look at you, mm. and I look at Herm Edwards, mm. and there's one guy there who's a leader of men. <laughs> And it ain't me. It ain't you. As we said. Wow. Well, I run the finances for the zigzags, so I technically am the leader of men because no, if I... you're not. You're the you're a bookkeeper. Wow. <laughs> well, like honestly, like if this is an organ like again, like if this is like an organization, it's like you're like, I'm in charge. I have the well, money. And I it's like put, I tell you what to do. I have I'm to in put charge. the screws to thirty year old men with good paying jobs to pay. So I am a technically no, a leader. No, see, this goes back to we we talked about this with I'm bunk. A bookie. You're, you're a bookie. You could also be a wrangler of men. Yes. But a leader, um, I see you wouldn't be complaining about how hard it was if you were actually correct. a leader of them. You would just lead them and they would do it. I'm thrilled that he was such a professional about that answer. He gave the best answer I could have possibly imagined. But listen, I said to you, I turned off the mic. You, you took the headphones like, Can off. Can I do it? I'm like, I, how often am I going to get to talk to Herm Edwards? It's one of the biggest quotes in my life. Yeah, and totally. like ever since it happened, like he said... It was a massive thing. It immediately went into every top highlight yep. clip. It's up there with practice. It's up there with yeah, I'm like a man, I'm had, 40. If like, we had Jim Mora Jr., yeah. not even playoffs. senior. Like if we yeah. had the junior on, we would ask him about the dad saying playoffs. So it had to be also, I'm just so happy you mentioned it. I'm a man, I'm 40. Have you seen what that guy looks like these days? Mike Gundy? No. The, he just... It looks exactly like you would expect a football coach in Oklahoma to. He's got just a sheathy mullet. It's oh, got a nice. good sheen to it. Oh, no, I have seen yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, it's Because like, I watched a... Oh, my God, he looks good. Yeah. I, I was watching <laughs> I knew you would a... Love that. Uh, Let me like, tell you, that during, guy plays some Alan Jackson. During, like, a college football playoff or one yeah. of the games, they had, like, the, the coaches, coaches panel, and it was awesome. Electric. It was Because I don't know anything about no, college football, not. so it's not like I, I can watch Troy and Buck talk about right. the NFL. But, no, it was really good. But, um... You play to win the game, hello. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other ones that can, I love. Can Sheldon Keefe give that quote to the Leafs before uh, before the second period retroactively of game two against the Panthers? Yeah, that'd be great. Um, hello? The one, I, the one I think about, <laughs> and it, it trickled into my feed, and this one that I completely forgot about. Sid, remember when this is, uh, Spit and Chicklets put it out? I think he was talking with the Flyers, and he's like, okay. I don't like them. Oh, yeah. I don't like them. I, do I don't like this. And I had completely forgot about I that. You were about it's to, an all-timer. I, I thought you were about to tell me the Italy story from Sid. And I'm like, no, we don't need to do that. No, uh, I don't like them. No, I don't like which them. Is, which is basically Sidney Because I just don't like those guys. Swearing at you is basically what, what that is. Uh, I People love forget that. early career Sid. Yeah, man. I didn't like them. I didn't either. I didn't like them. I was a big Ovi guy. I wasn't on. an Ovi guy either. No, no. I look running around, scoring goals, massive tinted hits, vibes, tinted. Remember oh, the mirror vibes? I was gonna say if we're gonna do just very quick hockey style, mm-hmm. nobody. I'm not gonna say it's the best. Guys have definitely had because you know me. I'm a big believer in the Ryan O'Reilly school of hockey mm-hmm. style. Just clean, simple. No one has ever had more audacious hockey. Would style. you say it was Sty? Yeah, that's uh, what the kids say. I would not because okay. I'm not a kid. I'm I believe the hockey players would say it's uh, yucky sty is what the players would say. I, let me tell you something. I would not say that. <laughs> You're I, right. Here's I my, am not a youth like our when, man. Here's when I will be adopting youth slang. Yeah. Uh, whenever whenever I'm like poking around the uh, dressing rooms that Gord will be in like one day, yeah. that's when I will be uh, mm-hmm. stealing slang from the youth. But I'm at least a decade away uh, from, from that. Um, 
Or is it going with this? I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, okay. I, well. Me saying uh, oh, Ovechkin, at the, Ovechkin, Ovechkin at the Olympics. Oh, yes. No one has ever had more audacious style. He had the like back protector that was basically <laughs> just like an yellow offensive socks. lineman's an offensive Not yellow line. socks, yellow, yellow, I, yellow laces. Can I say? Can I? Tell, yeah. I, I like yellow laces. Yeah. Yellow wax. I mean, I like. I mean, if you don't wax, have if you don't course. have wax yeah. laces, you're a psychopath. Yeah. But um, I like yellow. Yellow is too much. You just it's like. I right this now. This is classic I, hockey culture, but it's just so like pick me. Oh, anything other than black or white. So tape, it's funny. So like, listen to this. I have right now because it's just like you know I'm not playing anymore. But it's like I get the wheels out once in a while. I'll take my kids skating, and it's like I have just because I'm too lazy to fix it. Mm. I have one white and one yellow lace, mm. like one That's, on each boot. It's yeah, tough. Yeah. I gotta fix it, but it's like pure laziness. Up until um, I think last year or two years ago. Mm-hmm. I got skates for, I got new skates, new mm. graphs. Yeah, I got new skates a couple of years ago as well. And I had like white skates. Really? Yeah. I had a white helmet. I lost it when we played at the Baycrest. <laughs> you lose I helmet. don't know. I, I'm pretty sure. I Honestly, there is no reason I have to think this. It's just because he's the only person I remember sitting vaguely near me. I'm convinced it's in Ben Ennis's garage. I'm convinced <laughs> that he has my white helmet. And he had a white helmet. Yeah, this is also part of it. But he moved. So yeah. that bucket is in the trash. Gone. And it's <laughs> honestly, I hate trash. it because it was just like, it was the great Bauer 5500, like the old school before they got the really like oh, yeah, yeah. shapey like alien bucket. head. But you got to get a new helmet every so often. So that, that helmet would have to be retired and just use it for going to skate. I, right. Well, that's the thing. Right now, that like I'm the idea of me playing in a in a game, that's I retired when I went to university and didn't bring my stuff. I've mm-hmm. played like in a league once since then. But yeah, I, right now when I take gourd skating, I have like the old like uh, it's black, but the old like Mario Lemieux Nike. Oh, that's such a bad bucket. It's so bad. Oh it my God. That's truly a horrible. Brutal helmet but when it came out yeah i thought it was the coolest okay, thing so ever what's worse my like i pull up to the rink i know you would never go pleasure skating but mm-hmm. you're there for some reason and you're like oh, this guy's teaching his kid to skate mm-hmm. what is the bigger red flag to you my mm-hmm. my mario lemieux bucket or the one yellow one white wax lace you are looking tough okay it's- new text topic <laughs> what is the most embarrassing piece of hockey equipment that you own what are you most ashamed of? Oh, my God. Okay, quickly. We got to sneak this in. Wax laces are for kids who can't tie their skates yet. Facepalm emoji. Okay, tough Settle guy. down, Hardo. Oh, yeah, and okay, again, uh, Herm Edwards, put your name on it. Put You're your name come on at, it. Yeah. Yeah. Come at us? Yeah. Put your name on it on the text line. Uh, nothing says, look at me, like white Nike skates and silver gloves. Mm. Simon in Newmarket. Who has silver gloves? Uh, somebody who loves Sergei Fedorov. Yeah. I there, mean, that is that there's just that person that might be Sergei Fedorov. I would personally like to say that Sergei Fedorov is the absolute goat of hockey style. I mean, he might, there was no one cooler. He might be the coolest hockey player for ever. Like sure. throw in the Kornikova of it and all. He p- and played defense for like that a is, year. Uh, I don't know if you've had this with your buds, but I remember telling my, I had this like conversation with a buddy like three or four years year. ago. It could have been like two games, it, but I remember no, no, it, was it, was a, it was a year. I want to say with the jackets or something like that. No, he played oh, with the wings as he well. He played yeah. defense with the wings. Yeah, but then I remember telling a buddy this and the two most shocked, again, shout out Daniel. Love my buddy. Best man at my wedding. Skills. Skilly. I, the two most shocked I've ever been to watch him find out hockey facts in real time were the were that uh, Sergei Fedorov played D mm. and that Pierre Maguire, two-time cup champ on the bench with the Penguins. Wow. He was just floored by both those things. Sergei Fedorov, he had really great style. And then he went from 
classic Nike stuff, and mm. then he went to that iTech bucket. Remember oh, that iTech oh, one? It was tough. so bad. They must have they must have given him the live money for that to ditch the beautiful hockey steeds that was the Nike. Last quick one before we go. Yeah. I rocked white Reebok pumps with yellow sk- laces in Honeywood Juvenile. I, it, I guess that's the league. I guess. Are you playing in Juvie? Are you a Hardo? Maybe he is playing in Juvie. Uh, that's tough. Brandon um, from Keswick, a.k.a. Hardo. All right. Love that. Love that. Keep okay. them coming. 590, 590. Maybe. Coming up next. Always a fun guessing game. Mike Babcock. We shall see. One hour left here on Fan Morning Show on Sportsnet 590. The Fan.